When did you last have a burger or a shake or fries? Well, the chances are that many of you will think of one brand in particular, the Golden Arches. This week's guest was CLO, or Chief Learning Officer, at McDonald's Corporation until October 2020. And over many years, Rob Lauber has worked his way up the corporate ladder from L&D Manager and Director of Learning Services to Chief Learning Officer of one of the world's most iconic brands. And these days, Rob now runs XLO Global, which is an advisory service. You can check them out at xloglobal.com. And Rob helps startups position their offer to decision makers in the corporate L&D space, people who have products or services, which are going to help corporations to, you know, face the challenges of the 21st century. And maybe that's something that could help you. Maybe you've got some product or service in mind and you'd like to get in the door of companies like, you know, Raytheon or Ford or McDonald's or Yum or any of the big corporates out there. And in fact, Rob is an advisor to no less than five talent development, learning and development centric startups right now. And so in today's episode, what was Rob's journey to chief learning officer of McDonald's? What were some of the challenges he faced in that role? Why has he now become an L&D or learning and development consultant? And how perhaps you, if you've got some ideas for products and services, which corporations need, how you can work with someone like Rob to get in front of learning and development decision makers. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and this is the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for people just like you and me. We work as providers of solutions to companies. You've got your own clients. Perhaps you work as an associate trainer or consultant with other people's businesses, their clients, or perhaps you work on your own with your own direct clients. Either way, I've been in your shoes, I am in your shoes, and this is the show for people just like you and me, people in those shoes. We work with organizations, we work with individuals as facilitators, trainers, coaches, consultants, and this show every single week brings you some kind of insight, perspective from guests on the show, or it's perhaps just you and I talking about some subject which is of interest to you. And you can find out more about the Training Business Podcast by simply subscribing. And you can do so on a range of podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or many others. There's a fresh episode of the show every single Thursday. And for that reason, I'd love if you'd subscribe. And perhaps drop me a line to let me know what you think of the kinds of content. Perhaps you've got suggestions for guests or topics to have on the show. And for that reason, you can email me directly, mark at trainingbusiness.com. I'd love to hear from you. I welcome people writing to me and I give you feedback directly and of course, reply individually. Now, as I said before the music, today's guest is the former Chief Learning Officer of McDonald's Corporation in Illinois, Chicago. And his name is Rob Lauber. And Rob today works as a consultant. He was until recently CLO of McDonald's. And these days he works running his own consultancy, XLO Global, helping learning startups to position their offerings to enterprise talent and learning functions. Rob, hi, good morning. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, Mark. Great to be here. Let's start with your journey from where you were to where you were most recently, uh, from manager of learning services at Dun & Bradstreet, L&D manager at Coopers & Librand back in the day, all the way to chief learning officer at McDonald's. What was that like? And just talk us through those gates you went through over the years up to perhaps leading the, the CLO function or the, the learning function of arguably one of the most iconic brands in the world. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, reflecting back, it's, um, you know, most of my experiences were about uh, transition or transformation. So at, um, you know, at Dun & Bradstreet, we went from a uh, instructor-led sort of approach to training people to um, a more self-paced on-the-job kind of approach back in the, gosh, that was probably back in the early 90s or so. And we dabbled a little bit in e-learning because that was sort of an emerging idea. Um, and so, you know, there was a bit of experimentation and sort of a, a bit of a glimpse of the future there. Um, and for me personally, it was a time where I really connected uh, to whether I wanted to uh, be in this profession or, um, you know, whether I wanted to stay in an operational role, which I large, which I largely had prior to stepping into an L&D role. So it was a good sort of uh, early defining moment for me around that would set the, you know, sort of set the direction for the rest of my career. Um, and then, you know, um, my singular wireless Bell South experience was a lot, again, about transformation. So it started with um, working on management and leadership development at uh, Bell South. Um, it moved into, um, you know, the head of sales training asked for my opinion about a complete redesign of the sales training function. And I gave her my opinion. And two weeks later, I had the job uh, <laughs> doing it. So, you know, that's my, my first foray into sales training. So it was, a, it was actually a really good experience. And I had a great relationship with that leader who really, um, you know, who had a lot of confidence in me and who I could really work with together to discover the best way to go. Um, and then, uh, you know, transforming that Bell South business into what became Singular Wireless and then ultimately AT&T uh, was almost like starting from scratch. Um, literally had a blank sheet of paper, was tasked with redefining the L&D organization within Singular um, at the time because we, we were essentially a 36,000 employee startup when we started um, to M&A work where we acquired AT&T Wireless. Um, which doubled our size in 2004, I believe it was. Um, so that was a good learning experience about, you know, acquiring a competitor and um, all the, you know, the issues and, and strategies and challenges that you face uh, doubling your audience size and needing to sort of integrate uh, both sides of the, of the acquisition into uh, one new business. Um, and then, you know, my move to Yum Brands uh, was really about, uh, almost move in the opposite direction, which is really about uh, transforming the the businesses and the brands within uh, young brands to be able to become more self-sufficient uh, because they pr previously had had a very centralized approach. Um, my role was really about two things. It was about um, decentralizing, so making sure we had the right talent in the brands to be able to lead the learning functions in the businesses uh, appropriately around the world. And then second was to um, move forward with an agenda to get learning technologies in place um, and sort of solve the problem that they've been having with getting that in place. They spent about four or five years kind of experimenting and thinking about, but without capability. Um, and my role was really to 
bring it to life and to roll it out. And when I left there in 2014, uh, we were in about, I think, more than 40 countries, um, you know, um, more than 1.3 million users and doing almost a million transactions a day in an LMS or uh, a million a month, I'm sorry, in an LMS, which is quite a, um, you know, quite a test on uh, systems at that time from a transaction perspective. Coming into McDonald's was a little bit different, was about bringing, initially about bringing the U.S. and corporate teams uh, closer together um, and laying out sort of the overall uh, advancement of the learning and development function inside McDonald's. So moving out of sort of the paper world uh, into the digital world, I'd say thematically, um, was a lot of what we were focused on at McDonald's in the early years that I got there, as well as a lot of um, strategy and structure work, I think. Um, so, you know, I think I did five reorganizations between 2014 when I got there and the end of 2016 um, being the final one. And McDonald's itself was in a, a, you know, a huge amount of transformation at the same time. So riding along with that, um, you know, really looking deeply at the learning function uh, and then looking at it globally as well. Um, you know, how does it work and, and how should it work um, with more digital, you know, tools in people's hands to be able to learn. So um, that's kind of, you know, a different kind of transformation, I think, cuts across my career. And, um, you know, those are the kind of experiences that I had uh, across those businesses. So quite a jump from from wireless or from uh, telecoms into food. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, some the same, but some very different. You know, um, in both in both spaces, um, you know, my audience of learners were people that uh, directly serve customers. Uh, so I think there was some commonality there. Um, you know, the uh, singular had uh, the, com- the combined singular had twenty three hundred stores. So um, had agent dealers, which is similar to the franchise world in, um, you know, in uh, food service. So it was very, there were some uh, good parallels that gave me a foundation to build from, but there was still an awful lot to learn about uh, the food business and the productivity and the challenges. um, And frankly, you know, just the transaction volume that goes on in that business is, those businesses is really amazing. Were there particular challenges that you faced? Um, I'm thinking of the kinds of challenges that face those who decide talent development and learning strategy for corporations, you know, at, uh, at that level. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge is, um, you know, the way you think about talent in the organization. Uh, you know, the, the conversation and, um, you know, both businesses, both Yum and McDonald's were 90% franchised. So um, how do you think about, talent uh, where you've got, you know, the majority of your business really being about the franchise organizations. Um, It's, you know, it's much different. You also have to think about sort of the traditional things that you would in any other enterprise where you're thinking about, you know, what's the pipeline to senior leaders and how are you putting, you know, developing people along the pipeline. But you also have to think about how do you develop, you know, your franchisees to be really effective business leaders. You know, so there's the added dimension there because those franchisees are ultimately uh, really the revenue drivers for the organization and really the, you know, the the pivot point decision makers in those organizations about what works and what doesn't work. So you, I mean, you got to, I would say the top of the totem pole effectively. I mean, you, you worked as chief learning officer for McDonald's, as I said, one of the most iconic brands in the world. But since then, you've made the jump from CLO to consultant. What was the thinking behind that, and, and why now? Yeah, you know, it, it, I I would say I'm 
fortunate to have about 30 years of great experiences, you know, that I just shared in terms of sort of pivots, transformations and changes. So two things for me, I think, um, you know, on a personal level, I was at a point where I really wanted to um, be more in control of my time uh, and my schedule uh, and, you know, where I am, frankly, uh, geographically. So that was definitely a driver. Um, you know, I think COVID sort of accelerated my thinking on that front as well. Um, and then second was, um, I, you know, I felt like I still have a lot more to give. So uh, retiring out of McDonald's didn't necessarily mean I was going to, you know, just stop working at all. Uh, and so I've been really focused on how do, um, you know, the supplier, how does the supplier side of the of the business um, work more effectively with chief learning officers like myself and others uh, around the world. So I've been spending, you know, my vast eight months or 10 months so far, um, really sort of delving into that world, particularly around some startups um, and some other sort of larger scale businesses and helping them think through how they connect in. Um, and so my motivation was really around um, wanting to be probably more in control of my career, I think, although I felt I was always in control of my career. I wanted to do something different, um, but but related. And um, I felt like, you know, I was fortunate, in, you know, every business I've been in has been very successful um, and I've had the benefit of some of that. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to sort of be more in control of uh, how I want to work, where I want to work and when I want to work, as opposed to um, having to work. So the business is called XLO Global. And what you said a moment ago, Rob, I think resonates with people listening, which is this sense of how do I get in the door of organizations like McDonald's or Raytheon or Boeing, you know, those big iconic brands, get my, my product, my service in front of people who can make a decision. So can you give us an example or a couple of examples of the kinds of L&D or talent solutions providers you're helping to position in front of L&D buyers? Yeah, I mean, I'm working with, um, you know, Guild Education is a probably a big U.S.-based one. So um, they, they've got a almost $4 billion valuation now. Uh, but Guild Education's really been working on connecting employers um, and their employees uh, into higher levels of educational attainment uh, and credentials. So, um, you know, at McDonald's, I had worked, had, we had a program called Archways to Opportunity, which is about basically the same thing. Um, and so... When I left McDonald's Guild, um, you know, was generous enough for me to be able to connect into and be an advisor to. So I work with them to help figure out, um, you know, entry points into organizations, help them make connections, uh, helping them think through some business models, particularly on the franchise side, uh, because the dynamics of that are very differently. Uh, how do you know how does Guild position itself to work in a franchise space effectively? Um, those kind of pieces uh, is one example. Arist is the name of another company that I'm working with. Um, and they work on, you know, text-based messaging for learning. And um, it's not really like a crazy, brilliant new idea. It's just interesting in the L&D space, you know, it, that it's never really been exploited. Um, and so, you know, they've got a platform and a model and good traction um, and a very simple approach to uh, basically pulsing people with information to help them learn. Uh, on almost any topic uh, you can imagine, it's basically an authoring platform. So working with them to think about, um, you know, I was working with them very heavily early, but think, working with them now more about uh, positioning and reach and, um, you know, exposure and how do, how do they get seen by more um, because they've gotten very good traction uh, early on in terms of something that the learning community is really connecting with. 
so that's good. And then, um, you know, I'll take it to another spectrum. Uh, Hitchworks is another company that I'm working with as well, which is really all about helping organizations identify um, skill gaps between what they have now uh, and what they need for the future. Because, um, you know, lots of conversation today about skills versus competencies um, and upskilling, reskilling. And Hitch is really at the sort of uh, I'd say they're positioned really well as sort of the foundational piece that helps organizations figure out, um, you know, upskill to what kind of questions. Um, and uh, that's what that's what they're doing. So I'm working with them as well. So people listening to this might think, you know, I have a business idea. I'd love to get in the door of a corporation like Yum or McDonald's or someone else. Are there, are, is there a particular approach to take so people have a realistic kind of pathway to people like you in your former role. Yeah, well, well, you know, I think what I see in most of the businesses that I work with, it's about generating momentum um, and leveraging existing relationships. So a lot of startups get started off, uh, get started basically uh, knowing that they have at least a client to go to. Um, you know, from a bit from a relationship perspective, uh, where they can pilot and test and learn. So finding uh, organizations that have that capacity or that bandwidth to be able to test and learn with you, um, while at the same time drive some value in their business, uh, is is what I see as sort of a critical success factor to most of the startups that I work with in getting started. Mm. Are there? Do you think right now unexplored opportunities out there? Oh, it's hard to say. You know, um, I, there are <laughs> there's no shortage in the in the. What's a bit amazing to me is sort of seeing the other side of this on startups and uh, the amount of investment in the ed tech world in general right now is really, is really really astounding. Um, and I think it's you know it's multiplied uh, largely because of our need to be more virtual. Um, and um, it's I don't see a specific gap out there. But it's, it's really interesting to see what companies are chasing. And, um, you know, I think uh, many of the startups are working to figure out how they differentiate themselves from uh, some of the bigger players that are out there um, right off the bat. So probably not unlike any other product. Uh, you know, how do you make sure the, you know, a consumer product, how do you make sure the P&Gs of the world and uh, Colgate Palmolives of the world and Unilever's of the world, if you have a product that that's similar to what they sell. Uh, how do you get your space and how do you find your place? I think is the same uh, issue that many companies, the startups, especially in the ed tech, uh, specifically around workforce learning, are struggling with right now. So what are you most excited about when you, because I mean, right now you, you're on the, the other side of the coin, so to speak. You're talking to people who want to be, position themselves on front of buyers. You must therefore have some view of of what's out there what are you most excited about in terms of the way edtech's going or the way that talent development uh service providers are going yeah you know uh it's interesting because i think the biggest thing that i'm most excited about is the amount of um disruption to the sort of higher ed education system um that's about to come or the the stage that's being set by the amount of investment that's going on there there's just a huge amount of money being thrown out right now to, um, you know, help people ultimately avoid the need for a university structure and be able to walk in with skills and credentials um, that organizations need uh, without having to sort of 
pay the piper in a university structure. So I'm really excited about the possibility there. And there's a, a gigantic amount of money going after that right now. I mean, in the tens of billions of dollars, it's really amazing to see. And then on the workforce learning side, I'm, I'm, there's been some really cool, interesting tools come out that are helping companies deal with, uh, you know, what, what, most are speculating will be the hybrid, you know, um, work environment of the future. Um, you know, tools that support uh, classroom instruction, where some are remote and some are in person. Um, tools that support um, connecting people in face-to-face conversations, but virtually uh, in a structured kind of way. So almost, you know, the breakout room model. Um, uh, you know, in a virtual world, what does that look like? There's some really interesting products. Uh, coming along that way as well, um, that I think have a lot of value and utility um, in helping organizations. You, you left McDonald's in 2020. So in the interim period, um, COVID is still around. Do you think there are particular changes which have come about that uh, will not revert, things will not revert to the way they were pre-COVID in terms of talent development, learning and development? I think that... Um, you know, I think the the emphasis on talent development, learning and development has certainly gone up. So I, I think, I, you know, I think the, the pressure is really on CEO, uh, CLOs right now um, to um, think differently and maybe deliver at a higher level in the organization, deliver more value in the organization than ever before. So I think COVID's created the environment of um, not necessarily taking anything away, but maybe, uh, you know, plus on a few other things um, for L and D folks. So I think that that's not going to go away, um, anytime soon. Um, I think the, the uncertainty is another piece that's probably not going to go away anytime soon. Um, you know, the hybrid work environment, um, you know, while we're still in COVID and, you know, arguably with Delta strain, I think some people are saying we're going to be back to where we were maybe a few months ago. Um, you know, hopefully not, but, uh, I, I don't think that most organizations haven't figured out yet uh, what does hybrid really look like and what does it really mean. And and you see, you know, the spectrum of organizations saying, you know, we're going to reevaluate our whole real estate strategy to others saying, you know, um, we basically want to go back to the way it was before, uh, you know, particularly leaders at the top. Um, you know, messaging that kind of information. So it's just very, it'll be very interesting to see. I think it's still pretty uncertain times about, um, you know, if you're a worker in an enterprise organization, still fairly uncertain times about what does all of that mean and and what does it look like, Um, you know, and, uh, you know, what is back to the office really going to mean, I think in the longer term is still a big question hanging out there. If I said to you, crystal ball time, Obviously, notwithstanding current uncertainty, where do you think learning providers will be in the next couple of years in terms of their relationships with global buyers, the kinds of whom we've talked about? Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> lots of people make lots of predictions and generally are 90% wrong. So I'll, this one's probably no different. <laughs> but I, okay. think that, uh, I, I think that, um, I think that the, the, Learning providers that are going to win are going to be really clear on the problems that they help organizations solve. So, um, you know, so historically, you've seen organizations that offer uh, massive, you know, content libraries. Um, And I, I think that those organizations will probably still exist 
So it's, you know, it's an important asset for those organizations. But I think that the way that they sell into organizations is probably going to have to change entirely. Um, where, you see, where you see learning and development people moving towards, you know, defined learning paths, specific skill sets that they're trying to solve for uh, and build in their organization more than kind of what I call the mass buffet, uh, you know, and come up and, and um, you know, consume what you want kind of approach. Um, so I think, I think that, uh, there's going to be, or there's, there's under a shift is underway on that front, or there will definitely be a change, uh, in the next couple of years on that, that will force many of the big, big content providers to think differently about how they position their products. Um, and then second, I think that, um, you know, platform providers are continuing to evolve. So, you know, my LMS, L, you know, LXP kind of is dead conversation uh, probably will continue on for the foreseeable future. Uh, it will be interesting to see for me, I think, the impact that um, Viva from Microsoft will have, particularly larger enterprises that are pretty Microsoft based, you know, office based. To be, right. I think that. Um, that learning and development people shouldn't um, underestimate sort of the the embracing that they're going to need to do or should consider doing um, to that kind of environment, which is really almost a marketplace environment. Um, it, you know, I think the it, and it's not going to come from L and D. It'll probably come from out of your IT organization as an enabling collaboration tool. So I think that 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 intersection is going to continue to be there. Um, the last prediction I'd make is that um, L&D will need to work much more tightly with the talent acquisition organization as you start thinking about internal career mobility um, and how do organizations create more career mobility, um, as well as, um, you know, what are the skills that we don't seem to have in our organization that we keep having to go to market for? Uh, and then what does L&D do to sort of uh, alleviate that or minimize that or simplify that model so that there's more readily available talent inside the organization instead of outside the organization? I can see that coming um, and uh, something that I continue to encourage uh, CLOs that I talk to to do. Is that something that uh, XLO Global can help with? It is, yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, I did, we, I was a you know a good partner with um, the person who led talent acquisition at McDonald's, um, and we had you know said we didn't get a lot of traction um, because we were probably early on the curve, uh, but we both saw that opportunity as well uh, in terms of you know how do you uh, create an environment where people can upskill uh, that then simplifies the talent acquisition process to be more internally focused, thus thus creating more career mobility for people. Um, and at the same time, uh, simplifying your go-to-market on critical jobs. Where would you like XLO Global to be, uh, say, two years from now? Hard to predict where anything or anyone will be in two years from now, but uh, what's your vision for XLO Global, Rob? I, I think there's a couple things. I think there's, um, there's uh, you know, more, uh, f- uh, more connection into the supplier side, um, but also probably f- for me, I think um, I'd be happy if I had... Uh, four or five companies I was, you know, on the enterprise CLO side uh, that I was providing sort of strategic advisory work, coaching for lack of a better way of putting it, maybe uh, work with CLOs and their teams around how they figure out direction to head in. 
because I think the supplier, the you know, it's, it's always interesting. Does the supply side uh, lead the learning and development organization? I think over time the answer is yes, um, but at the same time, uh, the L and D organizations also lead the supplier side by you know being clear about what business problems they're trying to solve. So I think it can play in both sides pretty well. Um, and uh, that's where I'd love to be in the next couple of years. So where can people find out more about XLO Global and, and you, Rob? Yeah, you know, um, xloglobal.com is the easiest place um, to connect into, um, you know, me, my business. Um, and I think that uh, it, that's a pretty straightforward way to, to see what it is that I'm up to and some of the clients that I'm working with. Brilliant. Okay, well, thanks so much for your time today, Rob. Thanks for being my guest today on the show. Mark, pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Rob for being our guest today here on the Training Business Podcast. And a huge thanks to you for tuning in. There are plenty of great podcasts out there. I know that because I listen to them too. But you've chosen to give time to this one this week and listen to the episode. I'd love to know you're back again next week. So please subscribe. It costs you absolutely nothing. takes a couple of seconds to do. And of course, validates what I and my team do in bringing this podcast to you every single week. And if you've not subscribed, now's your chance to do so. We'll give you a heads up of future episodes. And of course, you can find lots of content on trainingbusiness.com. You'll find past episodes of the show there as well as blogs. And if you'd like to submit a blog, as if you're positioning what you do to your own direct clients, if you want to talk about a particular solution that you have for your marketplace, I'd love to get an article from you. So please drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. If you have ideas for some kind of post, which would be a value to people like the kind of people who buy from you and hire you, then the trainingbusiness.com forward slash blog is a good as place, as good a place as any to put your content. So let me know what you think. If you have any uh, ideas for content, like a blog post, then I'd love to hear from you. Until next Thursday, when there is a fresh episode, take care of yourself, get some downtime, very important these days, keep the ideas and suggestions and emails and likes coming, and I look forward to your company next Thursday. Until then, take care. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.